welcome to a new episode of Perspectives with Mark Bush and Friends. Let's go! Perspective is the way a person sees something. It's usually through the lens of their life and their experiences. There's no right and wrong when having a conversation discussing someone's perspective because it's necessary to understand, engage, and conversate. This is Perspectives with Mark Bush and Friends. Today, we are going to be covering our first topic. I have a couple of friends on the line, and they'll introduce themselves in a, in a second here. But before we get into the topic, I want to let you all know that this, this podcast is so that we can hear from each other, not educate each other. We want people to talk about their backgrounds, talk about their perspectives on certain issues. And today, we had some participants on a post that I had. So if you're interested, you can follow me on Facebook, find me by Mark Devin Bush. What I'll be doing is I'll be posting the questions and we will have everybody talk in the comment section. Based on the conversations in the comment section, I've selected a couple of people to come on and discuss their perspectives. So really quickly, I'll introduce everybody. I have Kyle, Marcus, Kira, Henry, and Alisa. So real quickly, Henry, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about where your perspective comes from. Hey, how you doing? I'm Henry Jones, uh, originally from Eldorado, Arkansas. I'm now living in McKinney, Texas, 15-year Air Force vet, security forces. Hello. <laughs> Henry, are you still in? No, no, no. I've been out for about three years. I've worked private security. Now I'm transitioning out of that into going to school for early childhood education. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Kira, can you tell us where your perspective comes from? Hi, yeah, I am currently living in Oklahoma. I'm originally from Fort Worth, Texas. I was in the Air Force for six years, also security forces. I got out, worked in oil and gas for three years, and then I finished a degree, a bachelor's degree in biomedical science for medical research, and I'm currently on the path to hopefully getting a PhD in medical research, biomedical research. So we'll see. Awesome. awesome. Kyle, you introduce yourself for the listeners. Sure. Originally from Florida, spent seven and a half years active duty in the Air Force, living in Georgia, Alabama, and Los Angeles. Got out, spent five years in healthcare IT before coming back to Los Angeles and working for a defense contractor in consulting on uh, strategy, basically. Awesome. Alisa. Good morning, Mark. My name is Dr. Alisa Nelson-Wade. I am a, a dentist by training. I'm a Georgia peach. I was born and raised in Georgia. I went to um, dental school at Meharry Medical College. I went to undergrad at Georgia College. I've been in practice for about 20 years. Let's see what else. Interesting. I'm a wife. I've been married. I've been in practice longer than I've been married, actually. I've been married about 18 years. I have a son and a daughter. I'm an author. My my next I guess my next phase because I'm I'm inching my way closer to fifty. Yep, I'm an author of Imitating the Tree, the Journey to Your De uh, Purpose and Destiny. My next phase of life I'm actually looking into real estate investing, some some real estate development projects. Kind of turning, kind of weaning my brother into taking over the practice aspect of our business, so we can focus on other aspects aspects of business. But I'm just excited to be here, and I feel like I'm the oldest person on the on the panel. So I guess my my perspective will be the approaching middle age perspective, but 
yeah, everybody, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much. Marcus, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hello, my name is Marky Mark. I was born in Washington State, but I actually grew up in Europe, in Germany. I've traveled all over the world and by trade and intel analyst, I've seen all the horrors in throughout the world. I've worked with a special operations group for about a good eight to 10 years, eight years in total. I work with special ops um, doing intelligence missions and I am now here in Colorado temporarily, but my passion for the most part, I am a trader investor. That's what I really enjoy. And obviously I'm also into politics, hence the reason why I'm here on this panel. That's awesome. Awesome. Thanks Marcus for being here. Uh, real quickly, I'll let the uh, audience know where I know everyone from. So I knew Kyle at the beginning of my Air Force career when I was stationed at the Air Force Academy. He was a cadet there. I then went to Las Vegas. That's where I met Marcus, where I was stationed at from 2007 to 2011. During that time while I was stationed there, me and Kara met through friends that she served with overseas. And she came out to Vegas and been in touch ever since. I served with Henry over in Korea from 2011 to 2012, the Wolf Pack. One of the best times uh, I've ever had in my whole entire life was the year 2011 to 2012 in Korea. And then Miss Elisa, Dr. Elisa, we met through a mutual friend. And Doc, Doc, you never mentioned that you're a small business owner as well. I am. You own mm -hmm. your own practice. And that's, that's, that's incredible. So real quickly, I want to introduce what our topic of the day is. We're going to be discussing is intentional inclusion and diversity racist? Why or why not? Doc, you're the coolest and, and best looking of us all. Uh -huh. uh, can you give us your perspective on inclusion and diversity? Is being intentional about it, is it racist? And I'm more so talking from a point mm -hmm. of view of being in the workforce. Uh, should companies gotcha. intentionally look for this and is it racist? Well, and I, if I go back to your, your Facebook post, the problem is the fact that we even have to consider whether or not it should be intentional. I think that's the problem in the first place. And, it, and we have a, a deeper systemic problem, I believe. If, if, if we're not intentional at this point, the way society is constructed, if we're not intentional about diversity, then we, what I fear is that we won't have diversity in the workplace because of the way, and it doesn't start on the professional level. It starts if, because I'm a daughter of an educator, my mom's an educator. So it starts as early as, and she happened to be a kindergarten teacher. It starts as early as kindergarten. And it starts and, and it, it goes back to socioeconomic constraints or socioeconomic parameters that we set as a society, you know? And I always thought about it. If you have teachers, and, and I know I'm, I'm, you know, maybe a little going off on a tangent a little bit, but if you have teachers, if you have teachers in a community and all the teachers are educated at University of Georgia, all the teachers are ed educated at Fort Valley, or all the teachers are educated at Georgia College, why is it then that we have such disparities in school systems? Why is the school system in Gwinnett County so much better as far as gr the graduation rates or the ability to provide certain things for the students? Why would th this county be so much better than a county in inner city Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, so when you, so by the time that we get to your question mark, unfortunately, we have created a system where if we're not intentional about making sure that we're diverse, right, mm -hmm. then you will have a, that disparity because of the fact that the system is not set up 
for to compensate for the lack of the diversity up until that point. Gotcha. Okay. So it's almost like uh, you're saying we have to be intentional about something that we've neglected for so long. Basically, to make it simple. Yes. Okay. And not necessarily neglect it. Because there are people fighting for it on that level, Mm -hmm. but the system is set up such that unless (laughs) the system is set up that, that those voices are not being heard. This system is not designed for a certain type of person. And when I say the system, I mean the government, I mean the system of, of wealth, the system that our country has set up to, to operate. It's not set up for, it's not set up for a certain amount of people, a certain type of people or a certain race of people, black or brown. So, you know, so it's, we haven't neglected it. It just, it's just no matter what we do, you can't, you know, you can fight the battle, but have we, as you, you know, as you guys are honor yeah. your service, we're fighting battles. What about the war? Yeah, so when I said neglected, I mean, I meant neglecting the fact of the biases that are mm-hmm. in systems that we have to intentionally target. Kara, you worked in HR for a little bit, didn't you? No, I worked in I worked in oil and gas in the geology department, but I was referring to like our HR department there had a huge like I don't really know the word, but basically they had when we hired our new head of HR, she came in and said that she wanted to essentially diversify our company because it was predominantly all white men. Mm-hmm. And she did so by hiring, you know people of color, people of, you know, different sexual orientation and just kind of trying to break really the monotony of what was there, the employees that were there. And so, you know, when you were talking about this, like fear of it not being done, Mm -hmm. I kind of saw that firsthand because my first year or so there, like it became this, this like almost like boys club where like, you know, oil and gas jobs have gotten so competitive that, you know, like, oh, my my friend needs a job. Well, you know, your friends are usually who are most like you. And so Mm -hmm. you were kind of seeing just the same types of people that were being hired. What, What would you say, how did it make you feel when this HR director came in and purposely said she was going to target this? At first, well, at first I was like, I was never against it. I'll start there. At first it was like, you know, anytime there's any big change, you wonder what that's going to look like. And so I, I kind of had that, you know, like, oh, what is this going to look like? Is this, are people going to be fired or like, but it wasn't like that. Our company had created more jobs and, you know, the jobs that were opening, they, they decided to put, you know, different people of different backgrounds in. And so I was honestly like, you know, being a minority myself, like as it started to happen, like I really enjoyed watching it happen. I felt more comfortable going into work every day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And so really for the audience, what, how would you explain your background? What, did your, what is your ethnicity? And then what was the primary ethnicity of the organization before the diversity started to happen? So I am um, half Hispanic and half white. My dad's heritage is Italian though. So, you know, half, half a Mexican, half Italian, but I look pretty pale, so people kind of, they don't really know. But I thought yeah. you were going to leave it at, I just look pretty. I was like, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's the prettiest one. She's the prettiest one, Mark, not me. I just meant I look, I look pale. So, but yeah, and the company where I was working, it was all, if I had to like group up everybody, it would be probably 
average age, like middle-aged white men. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when I'm in a meeting with like 20 men in the mm-hmm. geology, geology department, and there were two other females, but, you know, and it's what on a personal level, like, what do I talk to about that? You know, like, oh, hey, how you're, yeah. how's your kids? How's your, how's your midlife crisis? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and right. Kira, did you see anyone like you in upper management? Did it give you any perspective on how you could take this job and make it a career? Absolutely not. And, and all of our executives were all white men. Like I said, when the head of HR like came in and got hired, she did one of the coolest things I thought she did was she actually like all of the HR employees, she made like, I'm trying to think of how to like word this the correct way, but basically like, you know, we hired a black female, we hired a gay white man, you know? And so all of the, it kind of, I felt like was really great because it gave some other employees that might have been minorities like a place to go if something were wrong because that's you know HR is where Mm -hmm. you where you go and so I thought that was really neat and and she was I don't know if I mentioned she was a white female and so I thought it was you know like very like honorable that she did that and like Mm -hmm. stood up to like you know this mass amount of like white men and said like no Mm -hmm. this is not what our company is going to look like anymore it's nice to have an advocate can yeah. I ask you who the who was the the creator of that business? Like, was it a white male? Like who was the guy who started the company? Was it a white male? Yes. And then he started hiring people that he knew in his circle, correct? Right. But I don't know if you're familiar with like oil and gas. It's mm-hmm. it's that way, like pretty much like the corporate oil and gas. It's that way all across the board in every company is like, well, this is like at the time. Like I'm not sure I haven't been in the industry in a while, but when I was in, it was, you know, predominantly all of the larger companies were white men. Yeah. Hey, Martin, did you, you want to elaborate on, you know, what your stance is? My on, stance? Yeah. On, on this topic? I think it's full of crap, personally. Mm-hmm. That's just me. And I'm a black male or half mixed, whatever you want to call it. But I am, I do not want to get an opportunity because of my skin color. I don't want to get an opportunity because of my sexual orientation. I want to get an opportunity because of my merit and my hard work. Mm-hmm. I find it an issue now where it's becoming more and more the right thing to do is to hire a gay male, a lesbian woman, an Asian woman, a black man, a Muslim. Like all those characteristics do not define your work ethic. And it's becoming more and more common that we have to have this diversity, which I understand. I think the bigger issue more than anything is that the reality of things is it's all about who you know your hookups, are you part of the club? Are you cool? Who do you know to get you this job? That's the reality of things, how I see it. Like, that's why I was mentioning when you said like, it's predominantly white males at, in the oil industry because it was predominantly white men who started this company who were drilling and had the money to get into this business. And then they would hire people that they know, which were probably other rich white people. Yeah. And they would hook them up. And then it's also the same with nepotism. It's the same thing. The reality of things is, that's how it works. Is it right? Absolutely not. Yeah. But then to say like, well, we need diversity. So we need to bring you in because of this color. We need to bring you because of your orientation here. That's when I start having an issue. Sometimes I think when, when discussing this, this topic, I honestly, from my, my side of it, I don't think it's, you know, full of crap. I think it is an actual like mindset that we have to change in our nation. But sometimes when we're talking about this, 
it's almost like we say diversity is in lieu of qualifications. And the thing is, though, is like a person can be gay, mm-hmm. a female, black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Asian, and still have the qualifications. Sometimes what I've, what I've seen is people with the qualifications aren't even given the opportunity to apply mm-hmm. to even go forward with an interview. That's it. Because That's they don't it. have the right name. That's it. They That's don't it. have the right <laughs> look for what we're trying to go for. Or like Kara said, they only hire people that they can connect with. That's it. Correct. That's it. And that, that's the reality of things. And I mean, that's Mark, why I, I'm go ahead. No, go ahead. No, and I, I just wanted to, just wanted to, to piggyback on your point. When I started my practice, I am, a, they call me, well, people at church call me little David because, because I fight quick, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm I, you know, I, you know, my, my slogan is if you scared, you can't come with me because you will make me scared. Mm-hmm. But when I started my practice, my community was 95% white. That means, you know, the patients would call my office and the word got out quickly that I was an African-American female. Mm-hmm. And they would call and say, is the doctor white? Is the doctor black? Oh, I don't want a black doctor. And they would hang up. What happened was in my marketing at that, at that time, when I started in 2002, the, the marketing, my marketing people advised me not to put any photos of myself on my mark, on my, on my marketing materials, yep. not to show any indication of me, you know, of me being an African-American woman, even, I even had an oil surgeon who in my community, now he's my mentor and rightfully so he owns about he's part owner about 36, 40 practices in the Metro Atlanta area. So whenever he, he was like the old company EF Hutton, when he spoke, I listened and he told me, you know, don't, don't hire all white staff members. That's what he said. So, and now moving forward, you know, so to piggyback on your point, Mark, you can't even get to the table unless you play the game in a system that's created. So as far as like you said, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? Why does it have to be? The thing about it is the black female with the same qualifications, education, experience as the white male, she would, her resume, her CV wouldn't even get, get looked at because it, the good old boy system is set up. And unfortunately, the good old boy system is a, is a white male dominated system. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't even have the opportunity to, to become part of that establishment that allowed those people who own the oil company to get rich in the first place because they got the money off my brother's back, my um, ancestor's back, but I'm, we're not going to go there. I'm going to go Dr. King, not Marcus Garvey. No, Dr. Um, King, okay, okay, all right. I'm going to relax, let me relax. Y'all want, do y'all want Elisa? Y'all want Dr. Nelson? Do you want Elisa or do y'all want Lisa? Which one you want? But, um, but we didn't even get the opportunity to even play the, this is historical. This is, this started in 1619 when the first African-American feet, feet hit United States soil as slaves. This system was built on that so and unless we like you said we have to be intentional at this point if not it's the same thing over and over again so to go back to to to, uh, my brother's point where i understand what you're saying i i don't i don't want to be given an opportunity because i'm a black woman i want to be given an opportunity because a, a dentist who has studied hard who has paid my dues who is bad blank can't cuss who is bad blank and know her stuff and i just happen to be a black woman yes yes real quick what i want to do is piggyback on what 
Doc said, one of the biggest things that I found as a small business owner, as a black business owner, I would have, I've had conversations with white friends and they pride themselves on, yeah, I support black businesses. And, and they say it as if it's charity. Mm-hmm. And they right. said, yeah, if I had if I had a black cleaners next to a mm. white cleaners, I would go mm. to the black cleaners. Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's back, dial right. it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be for it and everything else, but I don't need your charity. Mm-hmm. And to only, to, I want you to pick my business because you're getting good business. Mm-hmm. And 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 the, sometimes in that tone, it's like mm-hmm. as either or. No, you can support black good businesses. You can support. Mm-hmm. You know, white mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. rather you support me because you like what I about, not exactly. necessarily the, the, the color of my skin. But uh, Henry hasn't in, given his input. Marcus, we're going to come yeah. back because you're interesting. We're going to okay. keep it interesting. All right, we're going to come back to you, Marcus. Uh, me and Marcus going to go to get, get it in there. Let's go, Doc. <laughs> get him. Uh, Henry, uh, what, what what you have for us? Yeah, I, see, I think when we look across America, the majority of the offices that you see is primarily white men. Remember, there was a time I was stationed in Osun back in 2005, 2006. And in our uh, squadron, the investigators, there were five investigators, all black. And that raised everybody's eyebrows. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's unheard of. And then you had some of the white airmen was like, well, I guess you can only be an investigator if you're black. Not taking into account, like you said, wow. they're married. Maybe they're that good and they deserve to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just boggles my mind how people never take that into account. Like, I understand what Marcus is saying. You know, it, it goes by merit. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that. But sometimes the people who deserve to get in aren't put in because of their skin color. Yeah. My wife has a, a, a bachelor's in business administration. And sometimes I feel like she can't get her foot in the door because of her skin color or her first name. That's just the history of America, unfortunately. Yeah, to that point, I was kind of taken back back in September when the CEO of Wells Fargo, he had a all call with his uh, employees via Zoom. And he literally says, and I quote, while it, may, while it might sound like an excuse, the unfortunate reality is that there is a very limited pool of Black talent to recruit from. And he was speaking of execs in the Wells Fargo organization. And to discredit talented Black people not being in the running for it kind of set me back a little bit. I'm like, wow, somebody vocally said that. And I, and I think sometimes a lot of people are, when they say talent, sometimes they're meaning fit. And sometimes we don't, as a leader, I don't want everybody to fit my DNA. I don't need a lot of yes men or a lot of people telling me how, how great I am or how right I am. I want the diversity because people like Kara, here you are in an organization of all these white middle-aged men, and you have no idea who you can talk to about personal issues. Or is anybody in, on the board level talking about your interests as well? You know, because there, we do have several different interests when it comes to male, female, black, white, Mexican, and, and, and so forth. Kyle, did you want to weigh in on this? Yeah. So going, going back a little bit to the Wells Fargo quote, uh, whose fault is that? 
is that yeah. is that the 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 lack of black talent in Wells Fargo or in some of these other companies? You look at the oil and gas that Kira is dealing with or was dealing with. Is that a failure on black talent? Is that a failure on black people and people of color? Or is that a failure on the organization to create a pipeline to where they have the talent there? So, I mean, Doc was talking about, you know, the struggles of, of people of color to gain certain aspects of like the education or the money and, and you know, the white men have a head start. And we're not gonna change that here. But what we can change is that pipeline. Mm -hmm. By being intentional, we can create opportunities. And to Marcus's point, qualified. I was talking with Mark previously, you know, the chances of finding a, a senior software developer of a very obscure coding language who's, who's a, a person of color, a, a black female, it's, it's very low because that's a field, STEM is a field that just is lacking diversity. To Doc's point, that starts way back with education. Mm-hmm. Women being, told, you know, being pushed away from math by teachers because of a stereotype. Mm-hmm. That's being addressed some, in some areas. I, I won't say that it's fixed mm-hmm. by any means, yeah. but it's one of those things you have to be intentional about to be qualified, but you bring as a person of color, as a minority, as, you know, a different gender or sexual orientation, you know, you bring something more to the table than just your qualifications to the job. Yeah. You bring your perspective. That's where diversity comes in. Diversity wins when you have different perspectives and different ideas at the table and they're all viewed equally. And that's what drives innovation. That's what drives performance. That's, I mean, Kira talked about as soon as she started seeing diversity in her work face, she felt more included. She felt more engaged as an employee. Guess what that does? That increases her productivity. That increases the productivity of the people around her. That's yes. better for business. So it enhances we have the work to- culture. It's the, it's a, it enhances the work culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly right, Doc. So, Mark, I, I fully understand where you're at, man. And I, I agree. I, you don't want the charity, as Mark put it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. sorry. But no, that you're- I, I understand that there is a lot of companies out there that lack diversity. But there's also a lot of companies out there that do have diversity. But why am I going to force a company who lacks diversity, doesn't see that we can have different people in this company have different views that are unlike mine to grow. If like Wells Fargo, I was like, okay, Wells Fargo, you feel that way? Great. I'm not going to bank with you. I'm not going to apply with you. There's other places. I mean, Amex, the CEO of Amex is black. MNT Bank CEO is black. So there's, I don't want you as a company to feel pressure to hire me or include diversity to so what yeah so i'm going to pick on one one word that you that i heard you say and i I want to make sure that i heard it right and i heard forced i don't feel like anyone's forcing it no i think being intentional 
has to be a business decision, has to be a company's HR policy to look for opportunities to increase diversity. I don't think there, if you start forcing diversity, that I think gets to Mark's question of, of racist. Mm-hmm. And intentional and forced are different in my opinion. Yes. And that's, we, we can debate word choice, but I don't want to, I don't want you to assume that anything's being forced. And so, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so let me ask this question to like a couple of you have kind of spoken on this, which I don't know if this would just help me understand some perspective. Like if you were a hiring manager and you had two candidates, let's say they both just graduated college. They're both, you know, like zero experience. You're looking for like a brand new person to come into your company. And one is black and one is white and your company is all white would you hire the black one just to create diversity? If, if you have two equal, like, you know, candidates that, mm-hmm. you know, not one is more qualified than the other, then like from an ethical standpoint, if you know, you know, you could create this change here, like, what would you do? Yeah, I, I think, I think Kyle, I, I love what you said. We're already, when we're picking through resumes, we're already discriminating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're already saying, oh, they went to this college over that mm-hmm. college. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they went, and and so why isn't after so many years of exclusion, are we not thinking about inclusion of others so that we can broaden our perspective inside the company and how mm-hmm. we look outside, outside. the company? Uh, you want to expand on that? Yeah, and Kira, you make a great point of of what. You know, when you were in oil and gas and you felt isolated be- because you were a minority female in a white male dominated organization, I mean, it's one of those parts of the intentionality is it's not just hiring one because then that person becomes ostracized. And, mm-hmm. and there's there are studies that have looked at when you have a, a minority or a person of color and they're the only one in the organization, they leave a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. than if there are, are more minorities there. So it's not just about the hiring the one. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you have someone with no experience, they have, you know, if they are exactly the same person, exactly the same, and the only difference is skin tone, exact tone you have to look at what your culture is like. Is that person who's a person of color going to succeed yeah. in that organization with that culture? That's right. Or... Do you hire multiple people of color mm-hmm. from multiple positions so that your culture and your company can grow? Yeah. And I think that goes back a little bit to what Marcus was questioning. Like, if you have an all-white company, do, do you force them to do this? You really, it, I, I would argue no, but it also depends on the company. Are they, mm-hmm. are they in a that's position it. where they will accept, will somebody, accept somebody it. of a minority? Of a minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marcus, what, Marcus what, what do you what, what's your take on that? Um, well, it's like on your comment initially. Well, on your post on Facebook, I said that probably the to fix the solution really would be just to take the person's name off, take the person's gender off, and just put the resume out there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say this is because like even with like names, because there is just discrimination. Period. For example, Jack will probably get interviewed before Jamal. Jamal probably would get interviewed before Muhammad. 
Like there's always going to be discrimination. That's We're good. not going to get rid of it. It's not going to go away. That's just how the world operates. There's classism, there's gender issues, mm-hmm. there's um, racism. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But the solution really, I mean, at this point now too, most of the, the resumes that people do apply for, I mean, it goes through a system, automated system on a, on a computer. Am I correct? Okay. It gets scrubbed that way. So they're not even really looking at names anymore. They're looking at keywords. And, algorithm, and they even create algorithms to, quote unquote, they, they still can tend to skew towards certain um, uh, races or like you say, gender. Mm-hmm. Our system is so deep. It's so racism is so deep seated in our algorithms unintentionally are skewed towards it. So to, to go back to Kyle's uh, comment, uh, to Kira's comment, it depends on the culture. It depends on the openness of the company. It depends on the slate that you're working with. So if you're going to hire, like if you have a company of, of all white men and the resume is the African-American female and the white male, how susceptible would, would your team be mm-hmm. to accepting that person into the company? Yeah. So, you know, it could be the resume all day long. She, the resumes are the same. If you bring her in, if she's not coming into a, an, an environment that's going to accept her and going to set her up to succeed, then what you have done is created a, a, a situation where you can say, because she's going to fail, you, you know, and then you've created a situation. Well, this diversity inclusion thing doesn't work anyway, you, you know, so it's almost like you have to have. So yeah. it, it goes deeper than just weighing the two resumes. You have to, as the CEO of the company or as the hiring manager of the company, I'm sorry, not the CEO, the hiring manager of the company, I would have to look at not only the pe- two people I'm going to hire, I have to look at how is my team on board with what we are planning to do? Is my team prepared? Is my team and the culture of my company mature enough mm-hmm. to be prepared to move into a situation where, where we're being diverse and inclusive? So you got to create not only you got to pick the right person to be the first or the, the however you want to be the group to be the first, as Kyle said, but then you have to make sure that your company is ready to create a, a, a system of success for the next phase of what you're planning to do. I, my niece was interviewing for medical school and she, 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 she went to undergrad at Emory. And I said, now medical school, dental school, the, the culture is very different. She got accepted to Meharry, Morehouse, Wake Forest, Emory. And I suggested as an African-American female and then, Marcus, you're talking about, you know, racism between the black culture, the white culture. We have racism within our own culture. That's another topic. Doc. Oh, we'll sorry. Oh, that so, later. oh, OK, so I can't bring up. Me, I can't bring that get... up. <laughs> so so I even we even had to we had even had to be conscious about that. Yeah, I for my advice, because she asked me and I and I understood because one thing about when I attended dental school, not only did, did I understand dentistry, they taught me how the system worked and what I would face as a professional. And so I was able to then pass that down to my, my niece when she prepared to go to med school. I said, now, if you go to Morehouse, Morehouse is going to make sure you, when they accept you, they're going to make sure you get what you need and get out. I'm not sure if Wake Forest is ready for you. Now, they have an, a diversity and inclusion admissions committee but what are the instructors ready for diverse in, diversity and inclusion 
Are the patients ready for diverse, diversity and inclusion? So you could very, very well get there in a system that's not prepared. Because she would have been the first African-American female in that program. Mm -hmm. And I said, you very well may get there. And although the admissions committee wants you, the administration doesn't. The wow. teachers don't. The patients don't. Then where do we go? What happens then? You failed. And not only have you failed for yourself, now because you failed, because the system wasn't set up for you, yeah. you have met, you have, you have confirmed those people who didn't want you, their, their reasoning for why you don't belong there. Wow. So to answer that question that my sister asked, it goes deeper than just the two resumes. Mm -hmm. It's the two resumes, it's the system, it's the program, it's what, it's what the company wants for the future. That will determine whether or not that person will be successful. Yeah, but you can't always wait for that either. Right? Exactly, because then, you gotta because set then, it up. You yeah, gotta because, set it up, Kyle. But I and agree. that's and I think that's the catch twenty-two of, of what we're talking about a little bit is if you don't have a company that's ready, because let's be honest, and not you know, small businesses don't use the same, like they don't have those ways to weed out mm -hmm. resumes based like they see all the resumes that come in. Mm -hmm. You know, unless they're using a, a crazy hiring service. But you know, how do you how do you ensure that your organization is ready if you never have it? If you never see the diversity, if you're not intentional about it, unless you have someone who's there and ready, the, the organization will just sit there in that, in that bias and stew and never change. So it, it takes some intentionality. I, I think we, we may be getting a little, you know, going back to the original topic of, of is intentional diversity and inclusion, you know, uh, DE and I, diversity, equity and inclusion efforts are those racist. That's a that's a tough question because yeah. intentional diversity, equity, inclusion is discriminating against other people to hire, mm -hmm. and so the question is goes back to is that a bad thing? You know, racism has racist has a very negative connotation. Well, is go ahead. As I say, and I will add this into like my point too is that you know when we were looking to hire different like or more diverse employees it's not like we stopped hiring white men exactly. you know like and that was i think what made it okay you know it's not like we were saying okay no pause on all the white men it's only if you're a minority from here on out no it was you know like okay we're still going to have some white men but let's like shake it up a little let's change up who we're hiring here and so i think that was like a big part in why it was so successful too I think sometimes we, for me, I think that it starts from the top. In any organization, the DNA changes because the CEO and the board realize there's a problem and we're missing certain metrics and marks and we're no longer going to be a part of it. I remember when I got out of the military five years ago, I, I started as the director of operations for a fairly large home care agency. When I got to that home care agency, it was a black company, black owned and black company. Being from certain diverse communities, it wasn't okay for me. And we did, we intentionally sought out applicants who would qualify for the position as well as make our organization look differently. And, and how we look should be a part of the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. But you also had to have the right people to fit that organization too. 
what I think it did for the organization is allowed the other people in the organization to see that we're not a mom and pop shop anymore. We're broadening our horizons to go after, you know, more people, different markets, things like that. And so if it's not an intentional decision inside the company, how are we able to, first off, allow minorities within the company to feel like they can expand and uh, grow in the company, as well as how are we missing a whole community of people we could be servicing because we don't fit the demographic for, for the um, industry. That's good, Mark. And you know that what you made a good point because even the fact that when we even mentioned the topic, I think that may even be, I don't want to say racist, but discriminatory. Because mm-hmm. when we hear the topic, we automatically think black, brown people into a white environment. But you could also think about white people into a black, brown business or black, brown industry. So even the fact that we automatically exclude and only go in one direction, mm-hmm. that's a that that's a, a point of topic as well. Yeah. And, and We're willing to call ourselves out. Exactly. Uh, as well. And and then be able to do better as a as a community too. I think that that'll probably be another topic of uh, mm-hmm. black people no, are racist. Absolutely. Um, and, and I agree with you what you were yeah. saying. That's what I'm saying. Like it's I, I, that's the issue that I have. It's like it's not just white people are bad, mm-hmm. everyone else is great, minorities are great. Everyone does it. It's like if you go to a Chinese restaurant, what do you majorly see? Chinese people. Right. And I'm gonna sit there and complain now. It's like, well, I, I want to work at a Chinese restaurant. You need to hire me because you lack diversity. Mm-hmm. Or a Mexican restaurant, which I'm predominantly seeing, Mexicans. And I sit there and complain and say, like, well, you guys are just hiring each other. I, I like Mexican food. I know how to cook Mexican food. You need to hire me. But that kind of, like, it starts hearing on that the edge right there where, like, when is enough? When are we going too far? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And that's why I just always try to focus too much. Look, I'm, I'm African-American. I'm a, I'm a black dude. I'm mixed, but I'm a black dude. I identify with African-American. But yeah. like you were saying, sometimes I feel it's gotten to the point now where it's charity work yeah. to hire me. Yeah. It's charity work to give me an opportunity. I support black businesses because Black Lives Matter is cool now, right? So I want to look for a black photographer because I do real estate photography. That's my side business. It's like, so let me look for a black photographer. No, choose me because I'm good at what I do. Yeah not because of my skin color. My skin color does not define me and who I am. It's part of me, but that's not who I am. But that's that, I, I think sometimes when we come to this topic on all sides of the spectrum, we think to ourselves, well, I'm not racist, you know? So obviously this isn't an issue for everyone. But just like to, to Doc's point is the American culture had 400 something years head start. And yes. this mindset and this bias, it's in the heads and the minds of people that can make these changes. And sometimes if we don't know that the bias is there, if we don't target the bias, if we don't acknowledge the issue and we're not intentional about fixing it, it, it can fall to, hey, this is your ceiling. This is where you stay. Are people intentionally hiring untalented Black people so that they don't elevate past a certain limit that they don't want them to surpass mm. because mm. they can call it based on their experience? That's deep. That's deep. And so if we're not, if we're not, like Doc said, if we're not intentionally pouring into them 
to create the pipe, pipeline to success, then are we uh, perpetuating an issue that we could intentionally fix? So that's yeah, that, that's uh, Henry. I'll let you have the last word here before we wrap <laughs> it up and leave it to the audience to take their perspectives and see if anything has changed. So the question, the last question I have for you is, in this conversation, what do you want the listeners to take with them after we turn this off? I think with inclusion, it depends on the size of the business. Given what Marcus just said, a small Chinese shop or Mexican spot, sure, there's going to be nepotism. They're more than likely going to hire who they're close to and who looks like them. Mm-hmm. As far as the bigger corporations, I think it's paramount that they hire different people because you won't prosper if you just have an echo chamber around you. Like I said before we started, it's not about being right. It's not about being wrong. It's about hearing the other uh, perspective, things that we never took into account before. And I, w- I would love to leave every conversation with a question to the listener. Have you heard something you've never heard before? Have you been challenged to think deeper about your stance on the perspective you've held for so long on this topic? If so, go ahead and look us up on Facebook. You can find me, Mark Devin Bush. Get in the conversation. Have the conversations with the people around you. Listen to their perspective, not correct their perspective. Till next time, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Perspectives with Mark Bush and Friends. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share with a friend. There's no right and wrong with having a conversation discussing someone's perspective. We should seek to understand one another. That's the only way we do better for each other and grow. Till next time.